we're still continuing with this with the subject of grace and uh, and grace is our main main subject main topic and that um, grace is 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 uh, as Randolph says is the heavenly substance uh, is that needed here for us on the earth and like like grace will flow from the heavens we would need grace to live this is the 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 evanescence of the the life of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ living in us. The the topic that we want to still continue with is strong support. Everybody say strong support. Strong support. Um, Randolph was talking about David's mighty men, and one of the things is uh, I went to search up the these mighty men. They were absolutely awesome men. If if they have powerful names. And names we know in the Bible does not just, uh, you know, they're not just names, but they, they give off absolute character and meaning. Like one of the guy's names is uh, Tech-nomite, is sagacious. It means wise, clever, intelligent, knowledgeable, sensible. Uh, the other guy's name is Andino, which means spear. This guy is sharp. You need a sharp guy in, in the house. Eliza, God is help. Um, the other guy's name is Shama. Jehovah Shama, uh, which is Jehovah is there. Abishai, the guy's name means generous. Benenai, God has built. Asashel, God has made. The other one is uh, El Anan, which God is gracious. The other one is Alika, God is re- God of rejection. Uh, Elas, perhaps strength, and Ira, which means wakefulness. So, and then Ebiza, helpful. The, 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 the meaning of strong, which I've actually looked in the, in the Hebrew and Greek, the meaning of strong is uh, Icarus, which means mighty. And the other, the, the Greek uh, derivative of, of uh, support is upastasis, which is the undergirding, the support structure, the, the meaning of help. Help comes from the, this, uh, the word upastasis. Romans 9, I tell you the truth in Christ that I'm not lying, my conscience of bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit, that I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart, for I could wish that I myself were cursed from Christ for, for my brethren, my countrymen, according to the flesh, who are the Israelites to whom pertain the adoption of glory the covenants, the giving of the law, and the service to God, and the promises, of whom are the fathers and from whom, according to the flesh, Jesus came, who is over all and eternally blessed. Go to verse 8, uh, Luke. That is, those, those, that is, those who are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as seed. For this is the word of promise. At this time I will come and Sarah shall have a son. And not only this, 
But when Rebecca also had conceived by one man, even by our father Isaac, for the children not being born, no having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to the election might stand, not on of the works, but of him who calls. It was said to her, the older shall serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. Uh, the reason why I pick up on this, on this scripture is because Randolph was, was actually mentioning the Malachites. And the Malachite was a people uh, that, that really gave the children of God a hard time on the earth. And even up to now, uh, the Malachite people are giving the children of God a huge problem, and it's worldwide. It's not just local, it's worldwide. It's a, it, the Malachite is actually a spirit. It's not a per se a person. And when I looked at the Malachite spirit, because God said last week, he said that he wants to totally blot out the spirit. He wants to totally uh, uh, destroy it. And when I looked at that, I just thought about the fact that why would God, our Father, who is loving and caring would want to use words like blot out, like totally destroy. And then I looked up Esau, and then we realized that the spirit of Amalek comes from the spirit of Esau. And the spirit of Esau dwells on the people called Edom, the Edomites. And we know what Esau did. Esau... Um, was very nonchalant. Esau was, was basically uh, a man of, of war, a man of, he was, was a hunter. And um, coming back from the field, Esau's, uh, Jacob was, uh, was, was, a, was a cook, and he was making uh, a nice broth for, for his household. And Esau um, famished from the field, famished from his, his, uh, his daily work said to his brother Jacob, says, please, I need something to eat. And this is the same spirit that lurks in the midst of us. And, and I'm, I'm glad that um, Quinton picked up on that this morning because we, it's a nonchalant spirit. It's a spirit that is, 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 um, is, is giving us, uh, is depriving the church of what, uh, needs to be pushed for, fought and propelled. And uh, when he came to the, when he came to the, when Jacob, uh, Esau approached Jacob, he says, not give me something to eat. I'm hungry. Uh, Jacob immediately, as a deceiver and supplanter that he was, quick off the draw said, you know what, give me your birthright. I'll give you something to eat if you give me your birthright. And this was the, the disdain. And this is where, why God says, Esau I, uh, Jacob I loved, and Esau I hated. It means that Jacob, remember that God is saying here in Romans 9, that Jacob, in his supplanter and deceiver mentality, his nature, I loved. But Esau, on the other hand, because of his nonchalant, because of this, casual pursuit, he says, Esau, I hate it. And this now goes from one generation to another, one generation to another. 
from Esau to the Edom and to, from Edomites to the Amalekites. So if we look at where does Esau come from? Esau comes from the spirit of Adam because Adam's name means red, uh, red earth. Adam, that, that's where the spirit of uh, Esau comes from. And we know that in, um, in, in, the, in Genesis account that Adam fell because uh, his disconnection to God, his father, his, his, uh, his, 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 his disconnection to God, his father, caused everything that he could, um, could do as a spiritual being on the earth was, was basically come to null and void because the morning after Adam took it eight, he lost the seven spirits of God. He lost the spirit of his lordship. He lost the spirit of rule, rulership. He lost the spirit of wisdom. He lost the spirit of knowledge. He lost the spirit of counsel. He lost of all of these things that now we as a church have got back through Christ our Lord and Savior. And in this, in this, Adam, Adam's spirit that actually went, to, went into Esau and then eventually came into the spirit of Amalekites. Now, immediately we think, we think, you know, hey, you know this, is, this is a spirit that we, we, we immediately think we need to start looking for every, every Amalekite under a bush. Even the Jewish people up to this day have a problem with this because they don't really, they can't find Amalek. If you look at, the, if you go and you do a research and study, the Jewish people can't find this person Amalek or Amalek or the Amalekites because it is not, say to your neighbor, it is not a person. Amalekite is a spirit. Amalekite is a spirit. And Amalekite is your mindset, it's your philosophy, it's the way you think, it's the way you react to things, it's the way you approach life, it's the way you, um, it's the way you give off your emotions, it's the way you give off your intellect, your will. Amalekite is everything that represents your soul. And the eyes of his soul was open. That's what the Bible says to us, Adam. The eyes of Adam's soul was open. So what, what, what was closed? If the eyes of Adam was open, what then was closed? The eyes of his spirit was closed. So in order for us to defeat this enemy called Amalek, we've got to open our spirit, our spirit illumination I've got, uh, and, and the enlightening of our spirit has got to wake up. And exactly what Quinton was saying this morning is that the disciples in the most crucial time of Jesus' needing that strong support, they were sleeping because their souls were open. Their will, their emotions, and their intellect, their philosophies of life took over. But what was closed, the, what was closed was the spirit of Israel. Jacob, we know, wrestled with, with God, wrestled with an angel, and he dislocated, the angel dislocated his hip because he needed a name change. We know that Jacob was, as I said, a supplanter, deceiver, but when he broke his hip, the name changed. And something has got to give. I'm, I'm saying this in, in, this morning to us as, as, a, as a local house. 
um, that something has got to give. Something has got to change in the spirit. Something has got to change with us in our lives. That we cannot be continuously pursuing in a nonchalant, in a very casual uh, inquiry. Most of us have got an inquiring mentality. Most of us are here, but we're not here. Most of us are here for the benefit of ourselves. We are not here for the benefit of another. We're here because let's see what we can get, how we could be blessed, how we can be prosperous. But God is saying, no, you need to sacrifice all of that. And the only way you can defeat this spirit called Amalek or Amalekite is when you kill the men, women, children, infants, and even the animals. I was saying to God, I said, Lord, animals, why animals? I mean, my mom loves animals. Why, why animals? You know, I know that Renee is not going to be, not going to like that part. Animals. But God said to me, he says, if you do not kill this thing, even the animals, nochal, if you do not kill the animals, you're leaving a trace of the spirit in your life, in your soul. So that's why God is so emphatic on killing the spirit of Amalekite, killing the spirit of Amalek, killing the spirit of Esau, because it represents the soul. Romans 8 says this, he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So we've got to renew our minds. We've got to wash our brains, as Randolph says. Wash our brains with the word so that we could then be um, fit for service, that we now can defeat this, this enemy. 1 Samuel 15.3 says, Now go, attack the Amalekites, and totally destroy all the belongings to them. Do not spare them. Say, do not spare them. Put to death men, women, children, and infants, cattle and sheep, camels and donkeys. This is the, this is the spirit that we're dealing with on the earth today. We're de dealing with the Amalekite spirit. This spirit is worldwide. This spirit is, in, uh, is a deprivation of the globe. This spirit is what we call fatherlessness. Fatherlessness is not, is not just a nice uh, terminology. It is the problem underneath every problem. If you're having a problem today in your uh, uh, life situation, whether it be work, whether it be with your family, whether it be with your, with your siblings, whether it be any, any part of your life, it is the root. This is the root. That is why Isaiah 11 says he comes... Um, and he cuts, and he comes in this, with the stump of Jesse, meaning that he's got to cut the root, he's got to cut the tree down, and then engraft the tree of life on that tree. Um, but in order for us to deal with the spirit of Amalek, or Amalek, or Amalekite, is that we got to heighten the spirit of Father. The only way we're going to uh, deal with the spirit is we, if we sort of heighten the spirit of Father. Malachi, Malachi chapter 4, verse 5 and 6 says this. It says, In the last days I will send the spirit of Elijah, who will turn the hearts of the fathers to the sons, and the hearts of the sons to the, back to the fathers. Why? Lest this happens, I will come and I will smite the earth with a 
Cuss. Who wants a cuss? Come, raise your hand. Who wants a cuss? No one. No one. No one. I, I never met a person who wants to be cussed. I personally never ever met someone who wants to be cussed. But people want to be blessed. Who wants to be blessed? Thank you. I'm not, I'm not dishing out blessings today, but this is, this, is, this is it. If you get this right, uh, let me just say this. I was, I, was, I was pondering and preparing and I'm saying to Lord, Father, what, what do I say? What do I do? What do I... All of these things are just rushing in my mind. Shimon and Jules know I've never done this for maybe five, five years. So this is my first time after five years being in the front and, 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 and ministering. So it was a daunting task for me. But when Randolph asked me to speak, I said to, I said to the Lord, I said, Father, God, help me. I said, speak. I said, Father. Uh, and I wasn't talking to Randolph. I was talking to the Father, Lord. <laughs> And then he said to me, uh, and he said to me, he says, you, you were born for such a time as this. Amen. And um, I need to overcome. So me speaking about this Amalekite spirit, and even, even that little, uh, little snapshot in the, front, in, in, in the, in the beginning was, was, was a demonstration for you guys. It's not a theatric, but the demonstration for you, even yeah, as, a, as a local church, how we... Today, fight between these two things. We, 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 we have this opposing factors. Thamu actually says, how can you walk like this? You know? Because you, you either, you, you're operating with the soul or you're operating with the spirit. So it was a snapshot of how you could actually be operating the soul and, and think you're operating in the spirit. So, and when I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, um, you know, let me rather tell Randolph, you know, I am busy. I absolutely, and, you know, my wife can vouch for me. I am absolutely super, super, it's crazy. It's crazy how busy we are in terms of just the amount of stuff that we have to do. Um, and then the Lord said to me, no, don't you dare tell him that you're busy. And then I said to him, I said, Lord, um, it's not that I'm nervous or anything, but I just want to make sure that your people get fed the right diet, uh, because Randolph's diet is a is of a of a pristine, um, pristine level. You guys are getting uh, steak and chops and and uh, and and fine dining every Sunday. Do you know that? Fine dining. You guys are getting fine dining every Sunday. And I think sometimes we have to really know the ramifications or the extremities of that. And I know now, coming into this, into this platform, what it is. And you have such a wonderful higher uh, level of appreciation for what our spiritual parents do. Coming back to the spirit of the Father. As I said, the spirit of the Father is one of the most important aspects of our lives because it actually, everything is the culmination. Uh, the Father is the culmination of all things. And we, we, if we look at last week's interpretation of that scripture, Randolph has done such a wonderful job because he, he spoke about how these two sons, Aaron and Ur, how they gave support structure to Moses. But he was not really giving support structure to Moses. He was actually giving support structure to Aaron and Ur. was not only giving support structure to Moses, but he was giving support structure to them 
the entire group. If we hold up our spiritual parents, we not only give support to them, but we give support to the entire group. We have safety. We have immunity. We have our, our, the, the Amalekite spirit now can be defeated. When you, when, you, when you lock into an authentic spiritual father, uh, this spirit, this spirit and the Moab spirit, Moab means what father? In fact, it's a, the, the Moab spirit is like the prerequisite to this spirit because the Moab spirit will, will, will question what father. And when you look at the, as I said, fatherlessness is a problem in, uh, underneath every problem. And in respect to uh, getting our fathering right, this is the antidote. And we know that with Elijah and Elisha, these were types. Elijah was a type. Elijah and Elijah was a type of how the father and son dynamic um, would, would, would be here on the earth. Uh, Elisha washed or poured water in the hands of Elijah. Yeah, Aaron and her lifted up the hands of Moses. Elijah and Elijah washed the hands of Elijah. Uh, Ruth and Naomi, this was, this was a book, if you guys have not yet um, gone through the series with Randolph in terms of the Ruth uh, series, I, I, re I really um, urge you to and encourage you to, to listen to that because this is where the father and son dynamic was meted out um, because Ruth was not just a, a daughter-in-law to Naomi, it was a father and son relationship. It was a father and son relationship. And we know, even with the, the Ruth series and the Ruth story, it's not just a, a nice poetic story, but Ruth was the epitome of how, uh, and the word is cleave, dabak. The word is cleave. She, she refused to let Naomi go. And I know, I know some of these things are just revision. It's not, it's not revelation, it's revi revision. But I think some of us need to hear these things because we need to give strong support. We need to come back uh, and, and, and look at these things as revision. And um, the last week, Randolph spoke about, and this is what I want to leave off from, is, or lead off from, he spoke about ways, well, he spoke about six ways of how, to, how we can help our spiritual parents or give strong support. So here goes. I got, uh, in fact, when, when Quentin gave the, uh, brought the table of the Lord this morning, it was really powerful and very apt. And I knew from, from my waiting upon the Lord that this was the message to bring forth because it was confirmation. Because I had also Matthew 26 uh, to start off with in terms of ways to give strong support. These are... Luke, if you can put that up. Now it came to pass when Jesus had finished all the, these things that he said to his disciples. You know that after two days in the Passover, uh, let's go to um, uh, 2640, please. Then he came to dis disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me for an hour? Watch and pray. Everybody say, watch and pray. Watch and pray. It's not only good enough to pray. It's watch and pray. Because when you watch and pray, it's like the mighty men. You know Gideon's army? Mighty men. The mighty men of Vela. 
mighty man of valor is that when they watched and prayed, they actually gave strong support to Gideon because they were vigilant. They were, they were, they were quick on the draw. They were, they were watchmen on the tower like Quentin alluded to. So watch and pray. The, the, the Greek word for watch is gregriaro, which is to keep awake, to be vigilant, to wake and to be watchful. We've got to be mindful of this because, as I said, we need our spiritual, our spiritual parents. Uh, and we, we mentioned this on Wednesday. We might think that, you know, our spiritual parents, they, are, they absolutely got it. They're strong. They, um, you know, I, I, and the Lord gave me this example. I mean, Mom, uh, Mom Renee was, was involved in an accident recently. And you, you, you would never know, you would never know the extremity of that if we were not praying as a, as a local house. It's our prayers that actually keep, them, keep our spiritual parents safe and all of us safe. So we must, we must cover each other's prayers. We must cover each other's uh, support. And, and, and thank God that they, they, she's all well and uh, not a scratch. Luke is, uh, is recovering well. And it's because of that prayer. It's because of that strong support. And we thank you for that. We thank you for your strong, strong support there. So the, the word prayer is prosikamon, to supplicate and worship and make earnest prayer to God. Earnest prayer to God. Question, why would Jesus ask his disciples to pray for him? This is twofold. One is in the, Get the Garden of Gethsemane. And uh, Quentin did a beautiful, beautiful extraction for that, from that extrapolation of that in, the, in terms of how the garden is a wine, uh, uh, wine crushing of the wine, uh, crushing of the oil, um, and the uh, uh, and how that Jesus, in his most extreme part of his ministry, at the garden, in the most crucial hour, where he was taking our our sins. The sins of our, of, of the, and the Bible says the Lamb of God was slain before the foundations of the earth. So no matter what we have done, uh, the Lamb was already slain. But in the Garden of Gethsemane, this is where the actual act, physically as a, as a natural man, was going through the pain. He was going through the, the entire uh, process of being crushed, like what Quentin was saying. So this is... Also showing the extremities, extremities of the soul. The, because Jesus says, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful unto death. My soul is, sorrow, is extremely sorrowful even unto death. It means that, and that, this, that's why I said this, this uh, text talks about two things. That our souls need someone to watch over them. So you might even question, why do I need a spiritual father? Why do I need spiritual parents? This year is, the, is, is the, the, the reality. It's a snapshot of why we need someone to watch over us. Because Jesus Christ, being the son of God, in the most extreme part of his, of his ministry, being the son of God, also needed someone to watch over his soul. Because he said to Peter, he says, watch, watch and pray. So likewise, if we think we do not need someone to watch over our soul, then you know, we, we, we've absolutely deceived because Jesus in, in, his, um, in his strength, 
as a son of God, also needed someone to watch over his soul. So he said, watch and pray. So tell your neighbor, watch and pray. This is a serious lack of watchfulness and prayerlessness, is that we, cannot, we easily lead our leaders into the hands of the betrayer. If you look at the ensuing verses, if we lack our watching and praying, um, next verse, uh, Luke. So he left them, went away again, and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then he came to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. So our lack of watching and praying can actually unearth the betrayer. It can, it can, it can unearth the betrayer in amongst, amongst us and also uh, to our spiritual parents. So we've got to watch and pray because if you look at that, that happened in Jesus' uh, very hour, that their lack of watchfulness and, and prayer and giving him strong support caused that to happen immediately. The other way we can actually give strong support is by supporting our leader financially. Everybody say amen. amen. <laughs> supporting our leader financially. If you look at the Muslims, uh, and I was intrigued. I got a lot of, I got some Muslim clients, and I'm intrigued of how they, how they respect and honor. They, well, they call them, they call them mulanas. They call them mulanas or spiritual leaders. Uh, the Jewish people call them rabbis. And, but I'm intrigued of how they give absolute honor, respect, but not just lip service. Not just lip service. They give absolutely any in terms of financially. Um, because one of the mulanas that, in fact, I think this was through Dr. Segi's series, but I also have heard this personally. Um, they are absolutely wealthy. And when they, when they were asked, you know, how come you guys, you know, give big, 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 absolute big checks to your spiritual leaders. They said to them, to, you know, to, to the one who was asking, um, because we do not want our spiritual leaders to ever worry about their protection, their provision, and their preservation. They must never worry about them. What they must worry about is two things, is prayer and the word. So if those two dimensions are met, guess what? Those, those that are under, under the leadership gets the, gets the proper dose of what they need in terms of the word and, and, uh, and counsel, the wisdom. And, I, I'm, and I'm, not, I'm not using this, this uh, example to, to uh, manipulate anybody. But I'm using this example of how even the Muslims, in not having the spirit of Christ, still fulfill the principles. So they have the principles without the spirit. But yes, yet you and I, we have, the, we have the spirit of Christ. We have the spirit. But we don't have the principles. So if this morning, if anything, God is trying to realign us back to the cross, back to where, and as Quentin said, it's not all about Resurrection Sunday and a religious act and a religious affair. There's something that happened at the point of departure of the cross, the entry point and the point of departure of the cross, because we now have 
we've come back to God our Father. And the protocols, the principles have been somewhere or the other because of the, uh, the craftiness of the enemy and how he crept into the church have sort of obscured our, our vision and obscured our mindset in terms of how we now take the principles and how we align the principles with the Spirit of God. And if you look at these, uh, the, these two examples, the Muslims, the, the, the Jews on the other hand, the Jews, and this is some stats, the Jews own uh, 40% of the world's wealth, but they make up 4% of the world's population. Why? That is a big question I need to ask. I ask myself, why? And if you go and you look at and you do research, you realize that these people are tapping onto something that we are not. These people are tapping onto something that we are not. And that is why God is saying, no, don't talk about, don't talk about seven steps to financial freedom and, and de breaking debt. You, we can do all of that because remember, we're still under our kingdom economic series. But he's talking about getting the principles right. First, getting the protocols right. Getting the principles right. And prosperity will flow. If we don't have the requisite order in, in line, then we can do all of the other stuff and, and it will amount to nothing. As Russ Randolph says, we're going nowhere very fast. So that is why this, this realignment to, to strong support and to leadership and to building, a, building the kingdom of God and building the sons of God on the earth is very crucial. Uh, 1 Timothy 5.18 says, Do not muzzle the ox. Say to your neighbor, do not muzzle the ox while it's tre treading on the grain. And the worker deserves its wages. It means this. Simply it means this. It means that the Muslims got this, <laughs> this scripture. I don't know whether they got this actual scripture, Timothy. I don't think so because they don't believe in the New Testament. But... They, they, are, they are living the scripture. They are not muzzling their ox while it's working and threading. So there's a principle that they've got and we still haven't, we, we, we have glimpses of it. We have trappings of it. But we're not, we're not there in its entirety. We need to make sure, and, and one of the things that Lisa and, always, Lisa and I always talk about, how we're working towards bringing our spiritual parents, we want to work towards getting to a place where they must think about nothing. They must think about nothing besides doing the work of the ministry um, and, and, and being in absolute no care. And I'm not just saying these things uh, because they're nice things to say. I'm saying these things because we always talk about them in terms of how helping our spiritual parents but also helping our brothers. And um, this must be followed, not by lip service, as I said, but must be followed by practical demonstration, by practical. We, we, we went through the entire series on, on Psalm 102 um, and how we should actually, uh, you know, take care of the, the dust in Zion. You know, the time is now. The time has come. So are we going to give strong support financially? The early church had this model. The early church, if you look at it, they, they, it was not just that they were selling their property and they were bringing it to the apostles' feet. The apostles were economists. And the Lord showed me this. The apostles were not just men of God, did not, did not know what they were doing. But the apostles were economists of their day because they were, 
They were coming and they're bringing, they're selling their property. And their entire oikonomos, that is the word for economy. Oikos, nomos, the Greek word for economy. Oikos, nomos, which means if you put it together quickly, economy, oikos, nomos. So this was the first sign and visible sign of the church coming together. This was, this was a, ty a, a type for us. But because of Constantine, we lost our birthright, like Esau. Esau sold his birthright for a bowl of soup. Adam sold his birthright also for a measly apple. Adam lost his birthright. Esau lost his birthright. The church lost her birthright because she sold her birthright to the Roman government as, as we know it today. So when you look at this, the, the early church had um, the apostles' doctrine, the breaking of bread, the fellowship, and prayers. These things were not just because, you know, you're going to have a good time and fellowship. But God was starting an economy. God was starting these financial principles. And some or the other, the, 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 the Roman government said, the church is making too much of headway. The church is getting too rich. The church is, getting, is, is, is taking over. So let's, let's, not, let's stop them in, dead in their tracks. We can't beat them, so let's join them. So let's infiltrate them. So that is why, if you look at it, God is emphasizing principles, protocols, and prosperity will follow. Is because some or the other, the principles are being obscure. And as I said before, the enemy has entered into the church so it could actually deviate us from practicing these principles and obeying these principles and showing that these principles um, came via the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. The cross of, the cross of our Lord and Jesus, uh, Savior Jesus Christ was the epitome and was the uh, juncture point of how God brought everything back into order, into restoration. 1 Timothy 5.17 says this, Let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. Those who proclaim the gospel should, be, should make their living from the gospel. Can you see how we, we've sort of uh, have, have, have missed these, these truths, these, these reality? And this is from the Bible. This is not something that I'm, I'm making up and putting up in my notes. These, this is from the word of the Lord. Uh, Paul is actually talking to his son T Timothy. He says, let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and the doctrine. So the question in our minds and our hearts today, do we honor? Do we honor our spiritual parents in the Lord? Do we hold them in high esteem? Will we now start to give strong support financially, not for own personal gain? We're not saying, we're not saying that for own personal gain, but to push the purposes of our God on the earth. Right? Everybody okay? Uh, 1 Corinthians 9, verse 14. Those who proclaim the gospel should, be make, should make their living by the gospel. And then Galatians 6, verse 6 says, The one who taught the message must share all good things with the teacher. Another way we can give strong support is 
remember and obey, which means, and in Hebrews 13, 7, it says, remember your leaders who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their ways of, li of life and, in and imitate them, imitate their faith. And then Hebrews 13, 17 says this here, Obey them that have rule over, your, over you, submit yourselves, for they watch over your souls, as they must give an account that they may do this with joy and not with grief. That this is, un, otherwise this will be unprofitable to you. Uh, in, in John 17, when Jesus was um, the Lord's Prayer, he actually talks about how um, this was an accounting term. Uh, open up John 17 there, Luke. Je Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to, heaven, to the heaven and said, Father, the hour has come, glorify your son, that your son also may glorify you. As you have given me authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to m as many as you given have given and this eternal life that they may know you the only true God and Jesus Christ whom whom you have sent I've glorified you on the earth and I've finished the work which you have given to me and now father glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I have which I had with you before the world was I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given to me. This is the key point. I have manifested your name to the men you've given to me. They, are, they, were, they were yours. You gave them to me, and they are kept. They have kept your word. They have kept your word. This is an accounting term, which means that God uh, gave an account. Jesus Christ year was giving an account. It was a, it was a type and shadow of what Hebrews, Hebrews 13, 17, when Randolph and Renee is going to stand one day and give an account for Shimon's life. This is the, is the type and shadow of what Jesus gave us on the earth. So this is not to be played with. <laughs> if you're thinking, you know, let me come in on Sunday morning, I can just, you know, uh, make myself present and then leave and come in, come and go out again, and, and sort of, as I said, nonchalant, casual. Um, you're going to make it difficult for your parents to give you, give an account for you. Because you are, you're basically uh, pursuing very casually. Right? So obey them. Obey them that give, to ha that have rule over you. Submit yourselves. That, that's the word. Upastasis. Submit yourself. Submit yourselves so that they can watch over your souls as they, may give, they must give an account so that it will be, be profitable to you, not unprofitable to you. So very clear here that Jesus was giving an account for his disciples. And we will, Randolph and Renee will, will, will give an account for myself and my family one day. So how, to the extent of how I obey them, is the extent of how they will give an account for me and my profitability. Another way of, of giving uh, strong support is found in Luke 
10.40. Um, the word help here is the word sun ti lam ban ho ahi. Who wants to say that? Father, God, help me. You actually need to say help for the word help. Sun ti lam ban ho ahi. When Martha um, was, was, was very busy in the kitchen, and she asked, she asked the Lord. In fact, this was like more, more less a, 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 a challenge because she was doing all the work. And then she said to the Lord, she said, therefore, tell her to help me. It was more like a derogative uh, question to the Lord. Lord, come on. Can't you see that I'm doing all the hard work here? Tell my sister to help me. <laughs> and then the Lord says, Martha, Martha. I like that. He says, Martha, Martha. It means, come on, I've got to repeat myself. So, like, like you know, like with the ones that are, are the sons of God and, the, and our brothers and sisters are not here, it's, it's good for them to get the CDs and receive the, the, the tapes and the, the via media, but it's impartation. You know, you can't really see the gestures and the and all the, the characteristics, and, and then something happens when you are in, in the presence of a, in a meeting. That is why Randolph has got to go to Trinidad, because he's building structure, he's giving, he's giving, something, he's giving something life. Otherwise, remote fathering is something that uh, uh, God would have done in the first place. Think about it. Because he would have said, you know, nah, I don't need to go to the earth, I don't need to send my son to the earth, because I can just press the button, remote control, and they all will be saved. No. He sent his only begotten son because remote fathering, fathering has its place, but I feel that you lose a lot. So what my point is here, sit and listen. Martha, Martha, sit and listen. It means that Martha, if you heard the first time, I didn't have to say Martha, Martha, because <laughs> he's repeating himself. Jesus is actually repeating himself. So he says, you are worried and troubled about many things. You're tr troubled about little things. Little foxes spoil the vine. So let us just sit under the word, sit under our spiritual father. Let's hear the word and, and, and simply obey. Then the next one is, uh, number five, is let us grow up. Let us grow up. This will certainly help our leaders tremendously. Hebrews 6 says this here. It says, repent from the acts that lead to death. Um, repent from the acts that lead to death. Faith towards God. Baptisms. Therefore, leaving the discussion of elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of the repentance from dead works, and of faith towards God. There's some dead works in our lives that are holding us back. And today God wants to say, let's get off that, let's remove that dead works. Let's, let's move from, from, from a level of sonship, from Nepios to Padeon to Technon, and then Neuskus, and then ultimately your sons. We have, to, we, have to, we have to grow up, we have to mature. Because when we grow up, then this is what happens with the, with, with the, the mighty men of David, David David's mighty men. They, were, they came to a, to a place of 
great maturity. And uh, when, they, when, they, when they cleaved unto David, they met him at Hebron. They've mastered their relationships. And these were mature sons. I believe so. I believe that these were mature sons. That these sons were not only concerned about me, myself, and I. I, I, I joke sometimes. I say me, myself, and Irene. You know, me, myself, and I. They, own, they, didn't con they were not concerned only about their own provision, their own protection, their own preservation. They didn't have an Esau mentality, but they had a Christ mentality. They had, they, they, they had uh, this in mind. They rule for the benefit of others. Um, remarkably so is that these men gave off their lives, and which was absolutely sacrificial. They were a type of Christ in the midst of David. 1 John 2.14 says this, I have written unto you, fathers, because you have known him that he is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abided in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. Number six, genuine caring for others in the household. And then we're going to open up to Philippians 2, 19 and 21. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no one like-minded, say that, I have no one like-minded, like-minded, who will sincerely care for your state. The, the, other, the other version, which is the New American version, says uh, genuine. For I do not have anyone that is genuine, genuinely cares, genuinely cares for your state. And, and the word, the Greek word is analdid, un, 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 uh, which is pure, guileless. It's, it's adolos. It means guileless and genuine. And concern is merimano, which is to be anxious, but to care. So do you, are you anxious enough for someone else? Do you care enough for, for someone else? That is not only about you, yourself, and your own personal family. Like Randolph has been, Randolph has been stressing this, and uh, that we need to start to care for our brothers. Um, and one of the things that Cain actually did was, which was also the type of Amalekite spirit, was Cain killed his brother Abel. And this, uh, parenthetically, this happened immediately after Adam sinned. A after Adam sinned, um, Cain killed his brother Abel. And when God said to him, what have you done? What have you done? Where is, he, where is your brother? And his immediate words was, Am I my brother's keeper? So the question is today, are you your brother's keeper? You know, uh, and, and the, Lord, the Lord said that to me, is that we need to start to, uh, you know, have this deep embedded in our spirits and our hearts that we must say we are our brother's keeper. And then we're going we're gonna to go on to this here, which is 1 Kings 17, 7, 16. And it happened after a while that the brook dried up. 
because there had been no rain in the land. How, much, how many of us feel like that? Where the brook is drying up. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he rose and went to Zarephath, and, came, and when he came to the gate of, of the city, indeed a widow was there gathering sticks. So key point is the widow was gathering sticks. It means that she was doing something. Uh, as Randolph says, grace will not make you lazy, but make, grace will make you work. And he called her to, and said, please, please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called her and said, please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. So she said, as the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread. Only have, I only have a handful in a bin and a little oil in a jar. So my question to you this morning, what is, what, is, what is it that you have in your hand? As the woman in Zarephath actually had a handful of flour in the bin and a little oil in a jar, and, she, and, and, and see, I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go and in and prepare it for my son, myself, my son, that we may eat and die. And then and Elijah actually said to her, he said, do, do not be afraid, giving emphasis on go home, do as I have said, and give me a cake first, which is, means, which means to honor, to honor me first, honor the man of God first. And afterward, make some of your, for yourself and for your son. Now, you know, I can go through this text in, in, its, in, in its entirety, but what, what is so powerful here was that the, the oil and the bread never ran out. And this is a principle in our lives today. If we get this, that is why there was such a prohibition of the Lord and I know that some of the things are revision for us. But I think God is emphasizing, let's get the protocols of the kingdom of God right. Let's get the principles in terms of honoring our spiritual parents uh, in the Lord and supporting them, giving them strong support. Because this is, this is the benefit. This is the benefit, that your oil and your bread will not run out. Let's go to Ecclesiastes 10.20. Do not revile a king even in your thought. Do not curse the rich even in your bedroom. For a bird of the air may carry your voice and a bird in flight may tell the matter. So this is a huge, huge indictment on us. If we, if we do not respond to this scripture in, um, and exactly what he says, do not curse a king. Do not curse the king. Do not curse your spiritual parents. Do not curse the ones who are giving lead over you. For a bird of the air may carry your voice, and the bird in flight may tell of the matter. Uh, we're going to go to uh, Kings 4, and we're going to close on this. Uh, Elisha and the Shunammite woman. So are we going to give strong support? As I think I've got about seven, six or seven ways 
on how we can give strong support, give strong support by watching and praying, give strong, strong support by, by our financial um, giving, give strong support by obeying and remembering our spiritual parents, give strong support by, um, by, by sitting and listening, being under the word of God, the doctrine that we, we're being poured under, and then give strong support by uh, honoring and respecting our spiritual parents and the, and the ones that lead over us. Second Kings 4, 8, 34, 37, sorry. Now it happened one day that Elisha went to Shunem, where there was a notable woman, and she pursued him to eat some food. So it was, as often as he passed by, he would turn in there and eat some food. So this guy got his chow sorted out. <laughs> and she said to her, to her husband, look now, I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by regularly. Please, let us make a small upper room on the, on the wall and let us put a bed for him and a table and a chair and a lampstand. This, by the way, is the, is the, the four, pillars of, four pillars of the apostolic doctrine. The breaking of bread, the fellowship, uh, prayers, apostolic doctrine. So it will be, whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. And it happened one day that he came there and he turned in, into the upper room and lay down. Then he said to Gazi, his servant, call this Shunammite woman. When he had called her, she stood before him. And he said to him, say now to her, look, you have been concerned for us with all this care, what can I do for you? What can I do for you? Do you want me to speak on behalf of the king or to the commander of the army? She answered, and I dwell among my people. So she said, what then is to be done for her? And Ghazi answered, actually, she has no son and her, hus and her husband is old. So here is the story of the Shunammite woman. And you guys remember the Shunammite woman. Uh, Elijah had the, the woman at Zarephath, and Elisha had the woman in Shunam. The difference between the woman in Zarephath and the woman in Shunam is the woman in Zarephath was poor, and, but the woman in, in Zarephath, I mean Shunam, is a wealthy woman. It's actually like a type and shadow of what, what we have now. It's a type of church. The woman, the woman in, the, in both uh, stories depict the church. One was the woman at Zarephath, and the other one was the woman at Shunem. So yeah, this is the, the lady came, the lady saw the, 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 the minister of the Lord passing by, and she wanted to give him support. She wanted to give him support in terms of building an upper room, having him, having respect and honor and, and, and creating structure. And this is what she did. She created structure, created the context so that he could have a place to stay. He could be uh, refreshed. He could be, um, have, have a pit stop, so to speak. But what, what happened here was the Shunammite 
um, because of a, because of a, a financial support that she gave to uh, Elisha, Elisha and uh, sent his servant to ask to ask her, "What do you need?" And she she actually said, "No, I I don't really need anything." And um, and Gazi, in fact, he was quick off the draw. He said, "She does she she doesn't have a son, so maybe we can." Uh, fulfill that as desire of hers. And she was blessed with the son. But would, and to cut a long story short, the son uh, sequentially or uh, subsequently died in the field. And uh, this is my point from this whole, this, this, this text, is that the Shunam, while she gave support in this, right at this very moment, she didn't give strong support. Why do I say that? Is because when Elisha actually asked her, what do you need? She said, I, and, and when Elijah provided the son, she actually was in, uh, she couldn't believe it. She actually was, uh, had unbelief. And um, so her a strong a support to Elijah um, was basically, she didn't, she didn't have this, this absolute honor and reverence to him because she, she gave him, if you look at the, the text, it talks about how when a son died, that is when the whole mind shift and the whole mindset of, of uh, the Shunam woman changed. Because when she, came, she ran, past, uh, ran past the servants and they asked her, what was, what's wrong? Why are, you, why are you running? And this is the point where a son died. And, um, and she said, it is well. You remember, she said, it is well. And she came and she grabbed the feet of Elisha. She grabbed, she caught, she caught, which is the word chazak. And Randolph taught us his word last week, chazak, which means strong support. This is the, the moment in the text where support matriculated to strong support. Right? This, is, this is the point in the text where uh, uh, support to Elijah matriculated to strong support. And a son that died was now, first he was, he was, he was recalled, but then now Elisha basically resurrects the boy and, and gives him a, a new sense of life because of what, uh, what the Shunam lady had done. A kindness had to go to another level of honor and depict and deep respect and reverence. And then Romans 10, 15 says, how beautiful are the feet of them that bring good news. How, and how can we, how, any, how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who brought good news. So this is what the, the Shunammite woman um, had an encounter with Elijah is that she grabbed his feet and she saw him on a different level. She saw him on a different, from a different vantage point. He was a man of God that passed by and, and wanted to give him tithes, first fruits, offerings, wanted to give him support. And that's like, some, some, like us in our context. That's why I want to close with this. That's like our context. We are giving support. We are giving our first fruits. We are giving our tithes. We are giving our offerings. 
We are giving all of these things. We are even here attending services, Sunday, Sunday meetings. Some of us can, can make it to on, on Wednesdays. I'm not picking in anyone, but her support had to matriculate to strong support. And the things that once died in her life were resurrected. So if we want total resurrection, we want total healing, total uh, that our blessings, you see, it's good, in, it's good to have blessings, it's good to have wealth, it's good to have prosperity, but keeping it is the problem. Keeping it. And this is what the, the Shunammite woman experienced. She was a wealthy woman, so it, it's almost as if her life depicted this, that she maybe was wealthy, but she couldn't keep, in, in, this, in this context, her son died. So when you have this, the sense of um, showing, showing and catching the, the heels, and in this case, she caught the feet of Jesus. She caught the feet of Elijah. This was the, the, the depiction of how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. How beautiful are those who bring good news. And the feet actually talks about how the David's mighty men had feet like gazelles. Remember that? Hind's feet. They could actually leap and, and run like gazelles. They had mobility. They had such stealth. They had precision. It means that everything that they did in their lives, going forward from that day onwards, from that time onwards, is that they could do it with precision, with success, with significance, with absolutely um, uh, successful in every area of their lives because they gave absolute strong support to their leader. So the question is, let, in, in closing, let us bring our hearts to the Lord. Let us stand. Let us bring our hearts to the Lord. Let's bring our hearts to the Lord and let's also ask these questions that Father, we, as we bring our hearts, that we will realign our lives back to the principles, back to the protocols of heaven, the principles of heaven, so that you will not come to smite the earth with a curse. Help us to get our fathering, fathering dimensions right, Father. This is the principle. This is the protocol of the kingdom is that I will send the spirit of Elijah. These are not just nice stories, but these are realities. This is the reality of, of the curse that was, was, was given once to Adam. That Lord, he disconnected from you. And Lord, now we can actually come back and reconnect with you, to you back because of your son, the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So I'll send the spirit of Elijah who will will turn the hearts. Father, we can we sense in the spirit, Father, that the hearts of the fathers in this locality is turned to sons. But Father, it's time now that the sons reciprocate, Father, in a level that is never ever seen before. I pray, God, that this will be the envy of the Muslims and the Jews, Father, that they will come, they will come to see the Christ child, they will come to see what you are doing in and amongst your believers, that they will come to such envy of what you are doing in the kingdom of God because the sons of, the, of, sons of God 
in this locality will adhere to the protocols, the principles that you set before the foundations of the earth. Everything in the Old Testament represented types and shadows, types and shadows, Father. But Lord, when the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ laid everything on the cross, this is when, Father, you reunited us, you reconnected us, you restored us back to God our Father. And Lord, now, Father, we have the entire entirety of the heavens here on the earth. We are here, Lord, as your sent ones to heavenize, to heavenize the earth, to bring the earth out of this deprivation, to bring this earth out of this chaos, Father. I pray, O oh God, that your people today, Lord, will see their importance, Father. That they'll see, O oh God, them not as a membership. In Matthew 28, 18, you said, Father, that all authority, all power and all authority has been given to me. So therefore, go and make disciples, teaching them, baptizing them in the name of the Father, name of the Son, and in name of the Holy Spirit. This is why our spiritual Father, Father, Father Lord, is in Trinidad right now. Because Lord, He is baptizing the nations through you in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. So Father, I pray that you will, you will enlighten us. You will open our minds. Let our, the eyes of our souls be open today, Father. So Lord, that we could give strong support. Strong support, Father, to push the purposes of our God and Father on the earth. So that these things can be fulfilled. That Lord, we could bring the nations. You were given the nations. In Psalms, the second chapter, you says, the nations were given to you as your inheritance, Father. So we as the sons of God on this spot, we come to you, Father. And we said, use us. Use us, Father. Help us, Lord, not to be ever Esau, a Malachite spirit. But Lord, help us to completely defeat and destroy this mindset. Destroy the soulish behavior. And we thank you right now, Lord, that all of these things will be done. And we thank you for your grace, your grace upon grace upon our lives. And everybody says, Amen.